Fridays. Another day. Yeah, man. Gotta get down on Friday. Welcome to the Relatively Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Mintz and Joseph Murdoch. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. I am your co-host, Jared Mintz. Joining me today and every other day that we record this wonderful podcast is Joe Nardone. Joe, how are you doing on this wonderful Friday morning? I couldn't be doing any better if you hit me with a better stick. Awesome. <laughs> so then, I, I, do, I do actually have a better stick, so I'm, I'm glad that you, you said whatever you said, mumbly. Uh, I got good news and bad news, so which do you want first? Give me the bad news. Alright, so here's the bad news. Last night, well, I'll give you some context first. My fiance and I are going upstate for the week. We're going up to Lake George area, so if you're over there, don't look for me next week. Fiance and I are going upstate, so I was looking for some funny podcasts to download last night, and it occurred to me, let's check the rankings. Let's check the big board and see if the wildly popular Relatively Speaking podcast is anywhere on the big board, top charts. And so they list iTunes, lists like the top 300 podcasts, and uh, bad news is we didn't quite make the cut. Now, if it makes you feel better, I think like Zach Lowe's podcast was like in the 200s or something, so it's not like we didn't make the cut because we're not good enough. There are like great podcasts that aren't on that page, but... I thought maybe there was a chance we could sneak in at, like, 296 or something, and, uh, and we, we weren't there. You ready for the good news? Hit me with the good news. All right, here's the good news. So, as you can tell, we are recording today on a Friday after recording earlier this week on Monday, and uh, this is going to be a weekly thing. We've been approved for a second show of the week, and we're going to be recording every Friday. So, that's right, you get two episodes of the Relatively Speaking podcast every week now. That, that's the good news. You're welcome, humans. Like I should be think we should be thanking you for listening, but we're not. We're gonna take all the credit. And uh, yeah, get out of here. Why would we thank anybody? This is us. This is our blood. Oh, absolutely, Jared. I couldn't do this without you. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was really sweet. I didn't mean for it to go that way. This was more of just like a screw the fans. We're the ones that put in all the hard work, and they just benefit and laugh and enjoy and. Gain knowledge where yeah where? right like they get they're getting everything they're receiving all the yeah, awards and benefits. How many times have they thanked us? Yeah, like maybe twice. All right, so we're off to a great start on our second weekly show. We constantly yell at our listeners. Yeah, let's keep berating them. We don't even like them. We're like I don't even know. We're like the DX of the podcast game. Yeah, screw them. All right, I, I, I was going to say it, but I don't know if it'd be appropriate. Say what? You know, they're the DX thing when they chopped their, their arms. If you don't like it, we got two words for you. Yeah, I don't think it's appropriate, right? We're trying to nah, say PG. Probably. We're trying to say in the PG PG thirteen range, so we crack that iTunes three hundred. Most definitely, yeah. And I'm not. I'm not trying to to do that. DX is probably a bad. I don't know. NWO. Anyway, too sweet me, bro. Bad starts. <laughs> speaking of bad starts, we're going to talk about Ryan Lochte. Yeah. And I saw the best meme last night. It was Ryan Lochte in the same pose as the Why You Always Lying guy, the guy who made the parody of the next Too Close song. Uh, so, Joe, why don't you explain what Ryan Lochte did? Well, I, I don't really know if we know what Ryan Lochte did yet. Um, the story I don't think Ryan Lochte knows what Ryan Lochte did. From what, what reports are, him and a few other swimmers, probably a little tipsy, um, they reported that... Um, 
like civilians in Brazil were dressed up like coppers. Ryan Lochte, for some reason, thought he was like some kind of hero. Wanted to get down when the gun was pulled on him. Said, whatever, bro. I can handle you. Blah, blah, blah. Then video came out showing they were at the gas station. Like ripping down the door. Pissing all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just being whatever. And uh, he escaped the country. And the other swimmers are in jail. Because uh, detention, or, detention, but they could face one to three months in jail. And Lockney wow. has already changed his story about nine million times. And uh, I think this is on brand with who he is, right? Like this is kind of what we've always thought he's been—kind of a fabricator. Yeah, fibber. it seems that way. Which is which is really funny because I feel like we went into these Olympics saying, "Wow, can you imagine like if Ryan Lockney somehow worsens his reputation?" And it was kind of like aiming for the stars for him if he were to be able to do that. And, like, he cleared the bar and has made himself look so much worse during these Olympics than anybody could have imagined with this. And it's funny because we talked about it a little bit on Monday, and we were taking his side on Monday because (laughs) the IOC immediately denied anything that he was saying and called him a liar. And here we go, his... Friends are throwing him under the bus. They're saying this is lie. This is his lie. He made them, you know, tell everybody else that this is what happened. And he looks really bad. Well, he was betting on people taking his word over Rio's because we were everybody killed Rio heading in. It was like, well, Rio has poop going through their streets. So yeah, Ryan Lockney stinks as a person, but he can't be as bad as a city with poop going through its streets. And uh, he lost to a city with poop in its streets. That's basically yeah. what it came down to. He lost to that city. And um, I just want, like, I know people don't care about the other three swimmers. I just want to know how they got talked into them being the wussies in the scenario with Lockney being the superhero of when the gun's getting put at his head and him going, whatever, bro. Yeah, because they probably weren't the ones breaking stuff. And well, they... no, I just mean as far as the perception. Like, So they, they, they go back to the Olympic Village or whatever, and they make up their story. And Ryan Lockney, here's a great idea. You guys all got super scared and got on your knees. But I was like, whatever, bro. <laughs> like, how, how do those guys go, yeah, that's right. You were the man. We were all wussies. Like, yeah, who but... agrees to that? The whatever bro aspect of this is pretty awesome, and I wonder if he actually said that. I mean, like, here's the thing. Have you ever seen the movie Beer Fest? Yes, yes, yes. yes. You know the scene where Barry Badgenath gets, like, blackout drunk, and he thinks he's sleeping with, like, the hottest woman ever, but Mm. he wakes up, and he's next to, you know, whatever her name is, who's, like, 900 pounds, and he tries to re-remember the night that he had, and he thought everything he did was, like, really cool. And, like, it turns out, like, the things he thought he did, he really did. They just weren't nearly as cool as he thought they were in real time. Yeah. So I wonder if, like, this was what happened with Ryan Lochte. If he, you know, may- maybe some of the things he said are true. He just doesn't really remember exactly how they happened or who they happened with. And it turns out that it's really not a glorious story at all. No. Like, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like he made everything up. It just feels like he kind of copied and pasted some things from, you know, other moments, maybe things he's seen on television, or heard about in the news, and put them in his real situation, where he drunkenly stumbled to a gas station, started throwing a hissy fit, because he couldn't get into a bathroom, who, who knows what he did, but, you know, somehow, yeah, I got into a fight with this big guy, turned into, yeah, I was being a jerk, and security got upset with me, and he pointed a gun at me, because I was being so out of control, so somehow I'm going to twist this into, yeah, I was just, I was robbed at gunpoint. 
I don't, I don't know, man. We weren't there, and I, it's funny that we wanted to take Brian Lochte's side of the story at first, mainly because of all of the... We should have known better. Right, we should have known better, but all the bad press Brazil was getting, and it kind of just makes it all that much worse that he lied knowing that people were going to give him the benefit of the doubt because of everything that's been said about Brazil up to this point, and it's just, it makes it so much worse. It makes him look like I don't know. I don't. I don't want to start calling people names, and I don't. I don't want to say anything terrible about him. But like, but you're gonna do really, it anyway. <laughs> it's a, no. I'm not gonna call him names. It's just a really bad look for America and American athletes. And somebody said something like, "It's amazing that Ryan Lochte is gonna be the person that gets Americans banned from Brazil." But this is such a bad look. Well, I mean, I, I don't think because there's also the reports of the British guy being held up right outside the Olympic Village. So it's not like Rio is perfect. Um, Lochte's obviously a bad martyr and like you said like he listen there could be half truths here there could be Lockney's a really dumb guy so he could have really he could have really thought that security guard at the gas because he does carry a gun even they admit there over that the gas station attendant carried the gun um he could have thought he was actually a cop or one a guy pretending to be a cop that's how dumb he is yeah but where's the whole aspect of we got pulled over oh i don't know but like you got you got he's really dumb and <laughs> Um, I don't think anybody's going to look at America and go, yeah, that's the rep- that guy's the representation of the entire country. Because we don't do that. I, 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 ho- I hope we don't do that for the, what you think that they will. I don't know. I mean, people look at, like, Donald Trump and, like, think he's representation of our country. Why wouldn't they think? Uh, Nobody thinks Donald Trump's a representative. They just think we're all insane for the group of people that are going to elect him. I, I don't know what our perception is outside of our country. I can't step outside the bubble. Step outside. Go to Canada, look at us, and tell us what you think. I don't think Canada would be the greatest representation either. I just, I, elsewhere, further away, I don't know, so I really can't get too deep into it. I think it looks bad for us. What makes it look even worse for us, and I know we're not going to play the bad tweet music right now, but the two people I saw defending Ryan Lochte yesterday were Clay Travis and get a load of this one. I'm going to say, I'm going to read the tweet. You tell me who you think it is. Phelps, two DUI convictions, a U.S. hero. Lochte, who may or may not have broken a soap dispenser, a U.S. disgrace. Columnists need to think. Who do you think said that, that gem? Uh, we, Jason McIntyre. Jay Mariotti. You were oh, close. I, see, I'm going to say, if I'm wrong, I just buried another dude that didn't need to be buried. But it, It's okay, he does it enough himself. He's, to, he's, to, he's not totally wrong about the helps aspect, though. Right, but look, here's my point. When the two guys that are defending you are Clay Travis and Ryan Lochte... And I'm sorry, and Jay Mariotti, you know, you, you have to maybe think that maybe it's a bad stance that's being defended or maybe it's it's somebody that's incredibly wrong because these are two guys that I don't even want to say love to play, you know, the, the other side, but these are two guys that love to play the not popular side and the side that's not popular for many reasons. And it's just, I wouldn't want those two guys coming to my defense. I guess I'll just leave it at that. No, no. I mean, the KKK wouldn't take Clay, Clay Travis's backing. I mean, they, prob- they probably would. Jack Daniels. No, I mean, Jack Daniels just backed out from him. We're comparing Jack Daniels to the KKK? I'm just saying KKK <laughs> class Clay Travis is, he's, uh, he's gone full shock and awe mode. He's not even trying to be smart anymore. Right. So, at least before he tried to be coded in his racism, and now he's simply trying to placate to the lowest common denominator. And, you know, my theory on this, and we're going slightly off topic, is when football's college football season's over this year, Fox will be letting him go, and we'll never hear from him again because he's unemployable. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to turn this into a Clay Travis thing. 
But, but you it, did. It's well, I did, and it's also you sunk me in this wormhole. I'm sorry, I apologize. It's interesting that that's where we wound up with this because when you look at the Lochte situation and you look at that, you know, those two tw- the tweets that we just mentioned, or at least Jay Mariotti's tweet, and you think about Clay Travis, and you wonder, you know, what if this wasn't Ryan Lochte? What if this was Demarcus Cousins? Would, oh. Would, you know, Clay Travis wouldn't be letting him off the hook if it was DeMarcus Cousins specifically. Dude, Bill Plasky wrote an all because Gabby Douglas wasn't standing erect enough. Right, right. And that's the thing is, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't know, I don't hate anybody that wants to give Ryan Lochte the benefit of the doubt here. But to say he was a kid doing something stupid, that's, that's just really misguided and unfair. Isn't this like his fourth Olympics? I, I don't know. But he's, 30, he's 31 or 32 years old. He's not a kid. He's definitely not a kid. And it's just, it's, it's one of these interesting things. And I don't want to make it a racial issue because it shouldn't be. But you have to ask the question, what if this didn't happen to Ryan Lochte? What if it happened to a basketball player? Or what if it happened to a, a track star or an athlete who wasn't Ryan Lochte? Who wasn't, you know, a, a golden white boy? You just, you have to, you have to wonder. You, you don't have to wonder. We, right. Sporting News wrote that piece where the guy's like, we all lie. Nobody ever lies to the police about being robbed at gunpoint. Well, that's, that's probably not true, but it's a bad idea to do it. Oh, okay, 99% of the population has never gone to the police or gone to the authorities and go, police rob me at gunpoint. Right. I, can't, I don't know a single person that has, have you? I, I do not. By the way, breaking, two U.S. Swimmer, swimmers leave Rio after Lockney robbery scandal. Third pays $10,800 fine. Wow. How much? 10800 That's quite a fine. Yeah, I mean... Listen, man, real strong-armed us, <laughs> the Americans. Because what are we going to do? Be like demand to give those guys back, not jail them, because yeah. they lied. Because they, I mean, really, that like all that other stuff, like the sewage in the streets and the political corruption. The Lockney saying he got held up at gunpoint and not being true is worse for their tourism than that. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what I mean? So I totally get from their side. These people are like, oh, why are they? These, there's a theory of thought that if they just let these guys go and blow over, for them it won it. So I get them wanting to make a stance and be like, yo, like this isn't what happened. We have video evidence, blah, blah, blah. You guys are going to answer for this. I totally get it. Because could you imagine that happening here? Like if we had the Olympics and people were just lying about stuff happening here, we'd be going out of our minds about it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's kind of crazy and... I don't know. I don't know that it's unprecedented. It's just it's a it's a really bad look, and it's it's interesting that it happened to somebody like Ryan Lochte, who you know has this perception of kind of being a I don't I don't know again I don't want to start calling people names, but he doesn't have the greatest perception or the greatest reputation reputation in terms of his intellect or in terms of being you know a a trustworthy and noble person. So it's it's just interesting that he would make this all up and that there'd be all this hoopla around him, and it just it's. Again, I can't say it enough. It's a, it's such a bad look. It's a bad look for him. It's a bad look for our country. Well, it's, it's, it's not a bad look for him because we already think of him super poorly. This is just on brand for him. It's right, just a bad look for it's us. Not, it's not quite on brand, okay? It's not, again, it's not a, a Clay Travis racist thing. This is bad. This is worse than, you know, somebody tweeting Jaya or whatever Ryan Lochte does that makes him, you know, the lovable idiot athlete. But he's not a lovable idiot. Nobody likes him. He's Nobody's laughing with him. Everybody's laughing at him. Always has. Now I mean, this, 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 this doesn't... No matter if this didn't happen, he wasn't coming home an American hero or somebody we cared about. And now that he comes home, we're just like, whatever. He's still this stupid dude. 
I think you're overthinking how people perceive Ryan Lochte. I think we just think of him as like the sideshow attraction of whatever bill, and he's only relevant once every four years, and he won't be swimming in the next limit, so we won't care anymore. Right. I also think it's weird how you object to me saying most people don't lie about getting guns pointed through their head. I mean, most is probably... No, it wasn't the most. It was no one ever. That was okay, the, okay. There, the other three people in the history of the world that lied about getting a gun put into their head by the, by the police during the Olympics or whatever. I'm sorry for being inaccurate on that. I just don't know. I mean, you said nobody that you know. I can't tell you anybody that I know that went to the police and told them that they were robbed at gunpoint. So it's kind of like a hard thing for me to comment on. Right. That's why I can't be so definitive. It's got to be far more nuanced on, on those topics, I suppose. I mean, like, you got, like, mad about it. You're like, well, no, no, there's there's some people. I'm not but mad about it. I just think some that's people, Some people lie. Nobody lies about that. All right, well, Ryan Lochte did, so that's that. Sad trombone. <laughs> I wish I wish we had that kind of music. Yeah, we should. One day one day we'll get a real editor. Not that the editor we have right now isn't great, but we'll we'll figure it out. Anyway, let's let's move on. Unless do you have anything else you want to add on Ryan Lochte? Um stop making your hair look platinum. Who do you think Ryan Lochte looks like? Or who or what do you think Ryan Lochte looks oh, like? Oh man. He looks like a combination of a couple people. There's a little bit of like skinny but sad Bill Simmons in there. Dude, I, I don't know if you saw my tweet. You must no, have you saw no. that. I tweeted yesterday, I think he looks like Seth Meyers and Bill Simmons. Ooh, like Seth Meyers is a good one, because Seth Meyers looks sad naturally when he's not smiling. Right. And so that makes the sad Bill Simmons thing make sense. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like they merged. Like, they took their faces and just put them together, and it's like could, Seth could we, Meyers' Could you face. do that on Instagram? I cannot do that on Instagram, but maybe we could. Maybe one of our talented fans can and send it to us. Yeah. I, I don't can... know what they would do. It would just be a picture of Ryan Lochte, probably. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> they just send us a picture right live. They're like, no, that's not what we asked for. They're like, no, that's Seth Meyers and Bill Simmons merch. Right. No, that that's it. You were a hundred percent accurate. It's just it's it's uncanny. Um. So yeah, that's who I think Brian Mackey looks like. Yeah, I like that's really good. I just had sad Bill Simmons, and I couldn't really place another person, but Seth Meyers is a good one. That's off the board though, because I don't know. I can't remember the last time I thought of Seth Meyers. Well, now you're thinking of about him. Now we're talking about him. Shout out Seth Meyers. Shout out. You're the man. All right, let's 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 stay in the Olympic realm and move on from swimming and move over to our beloved U.S. men's basketball yeah. team. First, while we, while we are talking about men's basketball in the Olympics, I wanted to give a shout-out to your boy, E. John Lon, signing with your Los Angeles Lakers. Didn't they have this, like, three weeks ago? Not that he signed. Didn't they go on a rant about him being pretty awesome? For- we, we brought him up on the podcast, and I think your words were, who cares? No, but- no, I think I, I, I whipped out the stats from him playing in China that he was averaging 27 and 12 for Gordurg or whatever he plays for. I do not think we got as far as going statistical, but there it is. E, 27 and 12, bringing it to L.A. next season. Lakers are back. They're going to be in the playoffs. Book it. Uh, his contract is amazing because it could be as small as like 1.5 or whatever the vet men is. Border as high as 8 million with incentives. Did you did you read details of that? I, I saw that and I have no I, I, idea I haven't because I was just like I was it was low on the uh, priority totem pole for me. Fair enough. All right, back to the U.S. men's basketball team. They got back on track in their first game of the quarterfinals, serving a whooping up to Argentina. Yeah, Manu. One hundred five seventy eight. Take that, Luis Scola. Yeah. Take that, take that Andres Nocioli. Yeah, other Argentinians. 
<laughs> I don't know anymore. Do you? Is that it? Uh, I don't know his first name, but the point guard Campazzo, he played really well. Yeah, he's a, he, that's a good point. He's actually pretty good. He's good. He's not an NBA player, but uh, yeah. So we we gave them a beating, or our men's basketball team at least gave them a beating. Do you think this is? Uh, I mean, I'd imagine this is a good thing for them. But do you think that the U.S. is back on track, or do you think that? They're still going to wind up, you know, having a couple tough games ahead of them. I still think they'll have a couple tough games. I still think they're, I mean, look, we talked about this recently that they have every one of their players is NBA guys and the best the other teams have are like a handful. So just by sheer talent alone, they should still win this thing. Um, Roster construction still remains a concern. They don't have a playmaking guard that can set anybody up. Um, Somebody, I don't have the stats in front of me, but somebody made the point. They, um... They don't share the ball well. Like, their assist numbers aren't great. Um, there's a lot of isolation plays. Their defensive, obviously, not great. But here's the deal. And I don't know if we touched on We touched. God bless you. I don't know if we touched on it before. But these inter, international teams mostly grow up playing with each other. So they have years and years of experience. So they know how to play with each other defensively, how to help, how to hedge. Offensively, they know backdoor cuts. They could play without really watching the other guy move. Um, we've been together for like two weeks. The United States have been together for like two months. So a lot of these things that we're saying like, oh, their defense is horrible. It's not that they're not necessarily trying. It's just that they haven't played together that long. So you're not going to know how to help or hedge that well. And the communication is not going to be as great. Um, there might be some terminology lost. And offensively, I mean, we have a lot of ball dominant players. So we just got to be whatever we I'm American. So, yeah, we. It's just, we. It's yeah, totally it's we. It's we. I'm totally patriotic here. We just got to hope our talent just trumps other people's more team approach. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I hope that that's something that people are mindful of. I don't think they are because they just they look at the United States and they think, well, there's all-stars. And this is kind of like the cream of the crop of NBA players. So they got to be better than everybody else. But basketball is a team sport. And it's not like they're losing these games, but they're playing teams that have been playing together for years. Like years upon years, especially Spain and Argentina, some of Australia, you know, Serbia, Lithuania, some of these countries, they've, they've really just, they've been playing together for almost a decade, if not more. And the United States, these guys, like you said, they've been together for like two months. This is the first real competition they've had. I mean, they scrimmage against each other, and I'm sure they go hard. But the other important thing I thought you brought up is that so many of these players are shoot-first players, or they're... They're scorers. They don't really have that playmaking point guard. As much as you want to blame Coach K for not, you know, implementing a better strategy or getting the guys on, on, on the same page, so many of these players just don't really have that skill set or it's not what they do best. They don't set other guys up. They don't thrive on ball movement. You know, a lot of the guys on the team do, and obviously you, say a, you see a Clay Thompson or you see a Kevin Durant get going more when, when the ball's moving around a little bit better, but... So many of these guys are, are ISO players or players that just they thrive on volume scoring. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be surprised that they're struggling to get going when the ball's not moving or when the offense just completely stops and defenses are allowed to hone in on them. It, it's it's not unlike other teams we've seen in the past that have had LeBrons and Chris Pauls and Jason Kidds and other players who really look to get everybody involved. And, you know, you could use that as a knock on this team or a knock against the players on this team, but... It's still an immensely talented team. They're still head and shoulders talent-wise above everybody else. And at the end of the day, you hope that the talent prevails and they're, they're able to win. But you've seen them struggle because they don't have 
you know, that, that ball movement component. And you really need that to win in the Olympics. Well, I don't think you need it because I think we're going to win the gold without it. Right. So I don't think you need it. I do think it makes the, the road to get there easier. <clears throat> right. Um, you need it if you want to win every game by 40 points. Yeah, I think I think what we could do... Well, now, here's the thing. Like, you can't... We can't constantly say about roster construction because these guys aren't obligated to play in the Olympics. So, like, it's not like Coach K goes... Let Coach K and Colangelo sat there and goes, let's put the worst together ball-heavy team in the history of Olympic basketball. They're like, all right, who are the guys we can get? Do you know what I mean? So... I do think maybe they should take. Now, I don't like I don't like the Charles Barkley approach of like get role players. I still think we should try to get the best players we could possibly get. But to think about certain roles as you go, okay. Kevin Durant, in theory, says he commits in the next Olympics. Okay, now we have a scoring guy. Let's make sure we get somebody to help with ball movement to complement it, and then go down the list from there instead of going checking the names off each superstar by starting at the top. All right, LeBron's a no, Seth's a no, Kevin's a yes. You know what I mean? Instead of just going down the top, whatever amount of Americans there are. Right. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think it's a fair point. Um, you know, this year seems to be really the first year, though, since 2004 that they haven't had, you know, kind of pure point guards or really pure passers. What do you like, mean? Marbury wasn't a pure point guard in 2004? Yeah, the, or Allen Iverson? The Marbury-Iverson backcourt duo really wasn't uh, thriving on ball movement. Dude, but, I, want a thir- I want a 30 for 30 on the 2014. I wouldn't be shocked if you get it at some point. I mean, they really are historically an, an, anomal- an anomaly, so I wouldn't be shocked. LeBron was on that team. LeBron, uh, yeah. He LeBron was like nine Johnson, at the time. Right, LeBron, Wade, Mello. Tim Duncan was on that team, too, which is kind of surprising. Wait, Tim but, Duncan, are you sure? Yes. Wow. All right, I'm going to dig up. You find something to talk about for a minute. All I'm right, gonna so I'm going to tell a, I want to tell everybody about Stranger Things, a show on Netflix. Oh, no, come on, <laughs> man, stay, stay topic. Oh, so, uh, topical? So basketball is a game. <laughs> Did you guys know, seriously, the basketball they use in the Olympics and all in international play is actually smaller than the NBA game? And it's far far more slick. It looks slick. It is. Well, this, this is something Fran Fischillo was saying the other day, and Fran knows his international basketballs. So um, I think we could, if we lose, we could just blame it on that. That the rest of the world has an unfair advantage by playing with this ball all the time. We only play with it once every four years. Yeah, I definitely think that's a reason our guys kind of struggle shooting. I yeah, mean, and it explains the ball movement and poor defense, too. I have to tell you, every time you say ball movement, I'm not sure if you're saying bowel movement, and um, it kind of scares me. I have Speaking of bowel movements, I ooh. have the 2004 U.S. roster ahead of me. and it, I mean, it's a lot of really great NBA players, but obviously they won the bronze, which is unacceptable. Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury, Dwayne Wade, Carlos Boozer. Carlos Carlo, Boozer! Yeah, Booz was on the team. Bo- I don't think that was Boozer's only Olympics. I'm pretty sure he was on the 2018 also. Yeah, that was prime Boozer, though, all four. Like, we whatever, were- whatever that means. Um, Mello, LeBron James, Emeka Okafor, Sean Marion, oh, Amare Stoudemire, Timothy Duncan, Lamar Odom, and Richard Jefferson. All right, some of that, that roster makes me sad. Um, you know, they're all good bastards. Who in 2004 had Richard Jefferson still in the league in 2016? Goodness. You know, here might be the most surprising thing about that roster. I'm not going to go for it. One of the assistant coaches was your boy, Oliver Purnell. No. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. Oh, Cut that Oliver, check, Oliver no. Purnell. Yeah, that's wild. Oh, man. What's he doing now? He's still cashing on. Well, DePaul let his contract expire. Right. And we're not, this is not becoming an Oliver Pinnell segment. Or back to the, Back to the U.S. men's basketball. 
So, yeah, I mean... No wonder I, they won the bronze. Oliver Pinnell was on staff. Yeah, that could be a reason. Um, I know you love him, and you love DePaul. Sleeping anyway, giant. <laughs> anyway, we're not gonna we're not gonna go there. We probably already lost a couple listeners. Just bring up whatever. Tom. We don't like them. We do the show for us. Yeah, we've made and that. And Tommy Stokey. Tommy Stokey, congratulations on your new podcast with John Heyman. Wow, breaking news! That's awesome. I can't wait to listen to that. I think it was up last night. I, I missed that one. I think I got in bed a little too early. Ooh. Um, Hey, stop it. Hey, now. Anyway, 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 anyway. Off the rails. Yeah, we're there. So the US, movement and off the rails. <laughs> the U.S. men's basketball team got back on track. They put a whooping on Argentina. It's a good sign as they move forward into elimination play or into the quarterfinals, which is where they are. Uh, moving forward, you know, they're going to have a couple of couple of tough games. But they're going to whoop on Spain later today. I hope so. I'm really excited for that Spain, game. Spain got a little super quick. They're not that good. They did, but they've looked a lot better their last few games after dropping two. So I, I think that they're still a worthwhile opponent. I mean, they know how to play us. Every time we play them in, in big games, it's tight. So I think that that's a game that a lot of people are looking forward to. Um, it, it'll be a good, a good litmus test for the United States also because I, I hear it, and I think it's really a narrative, but you, you hear that the United States just kind of doesn't take their opponents seriously enough. I think Spain's going to be one of those teams that they definitely want to show up for and that they're going to take serious. Oh, I can't wait to boogie dunks on Pau Gasol. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, but I was going to say DeAndre Jordan. You know Pau's getting dunked on. Oh, way. like hard. Just like angry, angry dunk. Speaking of Pau Gasol, and I don't know how much of this we could really talk about, but did you see the Dario Saric comment? Yes. And uh, we, can't talk about it. we can't talk about the comment at all. I think uh, it was a bad translation. I don't think he really meant to say what. Well, he said. I want to know. So, like, I'll, I'll try to paraphrase it. He took the <laughs> he took the blame, and then he said he was the last p word. And uh, I want to know what the what the first one is. Like, if he's the last, is the, being the first one a good thing? That's what I want to know. Why is the last one the bad thing? Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna have to get clarification from. Is that there tears of it? <laughs> like in the love, like. So if you're the first one, like you have a little bit of blame, but you're still okay mostly. But if you're the last one, oh, you're it's horrible. So yeah, Google what Dario Saric said, and it's definitely a translation issue, a thousand percent. Yeah, I think so too. Language barrier, but uh, and that's on. That, by the way, Loki, that's on the reporter for not trying to get that clarified before running it. Yeah, definitely. So what 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 Dario said was interesting. A United States player also said something interesting, not quite on the level of what Dario said. Well, Dario's if it was meant to be said is one of the greatest that's, quotes in the history of sports. Yeah, it's a classic one. We're going to be bringing that one up at his Hall of Fame speech in however many years. Yeah. But DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan went the mellow route and said, "I think Olympic golds are above NBA rings." I may, I may get in trouble for saying that, but I believe that. I feel like this is more special. Why is it that only the ringless NBA players are the ones talking about gold medals being more <laughs> important than rings this summer? What are you doing, DeAndre Jordan? Get yourself. Uh, I think uh, I've, I've changed my stance on this slightly. I still think they should be proud about getting gold rings and all that stuff. Of course. Who's and saying they're not? I, know, I think Vermelo still applies slightly differently where... He's old enough where he could probably look around and realize just being on, like being asked to be a part of Team USA is probably a great honor. Um, he's in the grand scheme of things. Like these guys are the top one percent of one percent basketball players in the world. Um, but nobody, nobody wakes up as a ten year old, goes to the gym, plays basketball, and is dreaming about winning a gold medal. They're dreaming about winning an NBA championship. You're pretending about being Magic Johnson's running baby hook. 
or Michael Jordan going over the Utah Jazz or with Craig Elo, like whatever. It's the same way that golfers aren't dreaming about winning gold medal, medal, they're dreaming about winning the Masters or Green Jacket. So um, we can stop now. Like we officially jumped the shark with this gold medal is greater than an NBA title thing. He's not one person, and I hope you don't want me to clarify this, ever wakes up as a kid and goes, you know what I want to do when I practice basketball today is dream about winning an Olympic gold medal over winning an NBA title. Yeah. I, how, I, many, I, how many rings does Charles, do people realize how many gold medals Charles Barkley has other than when he tells us? How many, why? How many gold medals does Charles Barkley have? Two. Right. Well, did, well, you know, did, did you know that? I did. Did, oh. wait, did he kill, did he kill uh, the guys for saying that? No, or no, did, no, no. But he has a habit of bringing up, like, he is, like, a low-key. It should get more publicity now that all these other guys are doing it, but if you ever listen to some of his interviews, he'll be more than happy to tell you about how his gold, his two gold medals makes him complete and how not having an NBA championship is not that big of a deal because of the gold medals. Yeah, we're not using Charles Barkley as a measuring stick for anything here, especially not his comments, so... I, I don't know. I, I, I see the merit in it. Like, I understand. Obviously, it's something that you should be hugely proud of, and... I mean, when I was a little kid, I thought, like, the Olympic basketball games were, like, the coolest thing in the world. I thought it was so awesome to get together all these mega NBA players and have them crush everybody else. So, like, I, I think that there is some level of prestige just being a part of this program and being a part of the tradition of winning and being a part of the legacy and saying, you know, I played essentially for the, the same team and served a similar purpose as all the NBA all-time greats. So I guess winning a gold medal can kind of sort of be equated to, to accomplishing something similar as other all-time greats, but all these guys are considered all-time greats for their NBA achievements, you know? So I, I'm really with you on this is what people dream of, winning in the NBA and being a great NBA player and defeating other NBA players. And I was having this conversation with someone yesterday about how it's the, the level of talent that you're competing against just isn't quite as high on the international level as it is when you're playing in the NBA. I mean... All the great international players are NBA players. All the great guys, or not all of them, but the majority of them, most of them want to come over to America and play in the NBA and prove that they have the skills that they have to play at the highest level. The NBA is universally regarded as the highest level of basketball competition. So to try and say winning on, on any other level is more important than winning there definitely seems like, you know, I don't, I don't want to call it embellishment or hyperbole, but it, it doesn't feel truthful. How about you make a stand? You're going with caveats throughout this whole show. You don't want to call Ryan Lockney names. You don't want to lump all these people in together. Now you don't want to say it's hyperbole. Take, make a stand. Have a take, Jared. Make a take. <laughs> it's get in your pot, stir it, let it simmer, and give us your hot take. There is no hot take about this. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's abundantly clear. Stop lying, guys. You're lying. You don't. There really you go. It. DeAndre Jordan, you don't believe it. Carmelo, you don't believe it. The, the, Here's the thing. I, mean, <laughs> I just forced you to... No, because there is no... Listen, well, you were just trying to be sorry. I don't want to miss any type of... I don't want to say... No, you're right. They're lying. The name of the show is the Relatively Speaking Podcast. So, like, Relatively Speaking... And so we already prefaced the whole show with the caveat. <laughs> right. In every single show. <laughs> that, that gives us full disclosure, total, total um, reckless abandon ability yeah. to say whatever we want because we have Relatively Speaking. Yeah, this is the the Ricky Bobby 
well, what does Ricky Bobby say? He could say anything he wants to say if he <laughs> says with, with all due respect. <laughs> yeah. This is the with all due respect podcast. So right. With all due respect, you guys are lying, and winning a gold medal does not mean as much as winning an NBA ring. With all due respect. Yeah. It's still awesome, and it's still it's still cool. I just don't understand why why this is happening. Well, I, I do think a lot of these guys are caught in the moment, too. Probably. Like, I think if we go to DeAndre Jordan in, like, May and ask him, his answer might be different. It might be. You want to do some bad tweets? Let's do some bad Pick executive producer music guy. Fry MJ memes with the side of some racism. Many hot takes. Some of them. Bad tweets. All right, I have the bad tweet this week. We're only going to do one. This one is from our friend at the New York Post, Zach Braziller. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. At NYPost underscore Brazil. Brazil. <laughs> he doesn't have an R at the end of his, uh, his thing. Um, at least what I have in front of me. Gino Smith. We're doing NFL here, so NFL people. Gino Smith has refused meeting requests the last few days after stories were written on the first anniversary of him getting punched. Grow up. Hashtag NYJ. So, uh... Why do you think he's going to talk to you after you wrote anniversary stories about getting punched in the face? Dude, it's it's bad. The the Jets and the Jets beat. It's like such a chicken or egg thing. It's like, are, are these guys, are the Jets terrible or does the beat make them terrible? It's definitely a combination of everything, but it's hard to be a quarterback in New York, especially if you play for the Jets. And Gino doesn't get any benefit of the doubt. It's It's bad. I mean, they... This beat has spent the entire offseason talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and how big of a travesty it is that Ryan Fitzpatrick's not back. And when will the horrible holdout end? When will the Jets be complete again with their journeyman, below-average quarterback? Meanwhile, Geno was, you know, the, he was supposed to be the starter last season before he got punched in the face by I.K. and Kampali. And Kampali, I just butchered that name bad. Um, it's bad, man. It's bad. And Gino doesn't like them, and they don't like Gino, and it's been going on for years now. And the beat shouldn't play this kind of role. There shouldn't be a feud between the media and players, but there is. And this is this is why the Jets are the Jets, and it's the football team I root for begrudgingly. So I don't. Uh, it's worth noting, like a day later, all of a sudden, the New York Post, Brazil, Brazil, also had an article article the day after that tweet saying that Gino Smith was having a bad camp. Yep, oh, they've been crushing him since. So, I mean, listen, dudes. Like, I'm not saying Geno Smith's a good quarterback or even a good person. I don't know from either Adam. Um, but because he won't talk to you doesn't make him, like, this not great person. And, the like, I'm glad you pointed the Ryan Fitzpatrick stuff. Because it's, it's hilarious. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick's not good. Anybody that thinks he's good is dumb. He's never been to anywhere in his whole career. They were bidding against themselves during the offseason. So the idea that, oh, the Jets need to cave and give him whatever million a year, it's like, no, they don't, because nobody else is giving him money at no. all. No, not a single other team wanted his services. And it's just, listen, man, I, I fell into this weird trap. He's like, follow a couple of Jets fans, and I saw the whole Fitzpatrick thing play out, and now I'm seeing this Geno Smith thing play out, and it's just like, dude, the. the we make fun of basketball Twitter all the time, and the subsections of it. Jets Twitter is pretty bad. It's a dumpster fire. And it's not really the. Tw- it's not necessarily. Like, there are some of those like Ryan Fitzpatrick truthers that are out of their mind, but it's mostly the beat that's horrible. The beat writers are just a disaster. Yeah, they pounce. So I just Twitter searched Geno Smith, and the first thing that popped up is an article on the New York Post. I'll tell you who wrote it after I read you the headline. Ooh. 
Bryce Petty stepping it up, is it enough to overtake Geno Smith? Yeah, Bryce Petty. Yeah. Where is Christian Hackenberg? Yeah, that, that's another thing. We don't even know if this guy's going to make the roster. Anyway, <laughs> Brian, Brian Costello wrote that. Brian Costello also wrote some similar tweets about Geno to, to your boy Zach Braziller just killing Geno, talking about he can't even be a backup quarterback in the league. Not only is a guy who was supposed to be the starter last year, not only is he not good enough to start for a team that needs to throw Ryan Fitzpatrick out there, he's not good enough to be the backup. He may not even make the roster now. Who who well, knows? I it's, just love how they use Geno Smith in the context when they had no talent around them. And now Fitzpatrick's whole career of here being stinky. And he was not very good. Like, he was fine, I guess, last season, but he wasn't good. Got to play with a really good receiving core. So we're going to yeah. ignore the fact that, that Geno never got to play with any talent at the receiver position and just go, well, look at look what Ryan Patrick did. And by, while I'm not going, well, he also had Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. It's very much Stupid whatever. Stupid Jets beat. Yeah, My father's much- a Jets fan. He hates Ryan Fitzpatrick, too. You know, and the, the thing is, he wasn't bad last year. I mean, there are Jeff fans who will tell you he was terrible. Like, if you don't talk to Brian Giberman about Ryan Fitzpatrick, because he does not like that man very much, he he was good for a Jets quarterback. And it, it's the type of thing, like, you look at volume scores, and you're like, well, he averaged 25 points a game. Who cares that he shot 39%? Like, Fitzpatrick... Oh, his Let me ask you, as a Jets fan, if you could clone peak Chad Pennington and have him at peak Chad Pennington for the rest of his, your life as a Jets quarterback. Would you take that over, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, yeah, you said for the rest of my life, so I'd take him over everything else. I definitely would. Chad Pennington was really good. He was very accurate. He had his shortcomings. I mean, he didn't really throw a good deep ball, but Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't throw a good deep ball, does, doesn't do a whole lot well. I mean, he was, he was good last year with really good weapons, and I think that that's the thing that really gets lost on everybody. Now, you don't know what Geno Smith would be with these guys, but... To assume it would be bad isn't fair. Sure, it's equally unfair to assume he's going to be great if you throw him in with, with Marshall and Decker, and now you have Matt Forte, and you actually have Chan Gailey, who I really think was the biggest reason things went well. Like, I get it. I get wanting to pair Fitzpatrick with Gailey because they work together in Buffalo. And How did that work out in Buffalo? Did that work out great? Didn't work out great. Don't think he had a winning season. Yeah, so like when people say that, it's like, whatever. Brian right. Fitzpatrick, has he been to the playoffs yet? He has never been to the playoffs. How long has he been in the league? A decade? Eight years? Uh, yeah, more. More. So, yeah, there's your winning quarterback, Jets. Right. right. I, again, you know, he had, he had an encouraging touchdown-interception ratio last year, and he set Jets records for most touchdowns thrown in the season. So, Which isn't like, that, that, that's a false stat. Because they, it's it, a relatively speaking stat. Because the league throws way more than it used to, and the Jets haven't had a quarterback since 1942. Right. That, that too. So, for me, I do have confidence that if Geno Smith were to play, he would be a lot better than he was his first two seasons in the league when he had nothing around him and no stability. I just, it, it bothers me a lot that they made this big deal in the media. The media made this big deal about Fitzpatrick and they just, as soon as Fitzpatrick came back, the writing was on the wall for Geno Smith. Geno handled it well too. I mean, Geno took to Twitter and tweeted positive things, hasn't said anything bad. He's tried to keep, you know, his, his head clear, and he's tried to stay away from controversy all summer. He's doing the stuff he could do to try to be a leader. Keep in mind, this is his fourth season in the NFL. It's just, it's interesting how much people want to bash Geno Smith, and I get it. He's a Jet quarterback. The last year was a circus. The fact that nobody came up to, to defend him kind of was a bad look for him. You know, you, you can't ignore all that stuff. But at the same time, it's, it's just... 
when are you going to let it go? When are you going to let this guy try to move forward? He hasn't done anything terrible. Any little thing that he doesn't do great, he gets slaughtered for. And the, the media is just relentless against him. So you wonder, is he really this big of a problem, or is the media making this a bigger problem than it is? And to see the way that the beat has treated him this last week, you know, that everything he does bad is just elevated and gets blown out of proportion. It's not that big of a deal. But since it's Geno Smith, he will get killed for every wrong step he takes. And I'm pretty sick of it. Yeah, don't make don't make Jared sick of it, guys. Oh, it's tough. I, I, It's funny that you wanted to talk about this. Obviously, I'm a Jet fan, so I didn't really want to talk about the Jets. When the Fitzpatrick news came, it didn't even occur to me to think about talking about this on the podcast just because, like, I'm going to turn into the worst form of myself possible if we talk about the Jets long enough, and I don't want to do it. I, uh, it's, I like, I, I can't. Did you, did you snap your fingers? What did you just do? I, I slapped my knees with my <laughs> You slapped your knee slapper. I slapped my knees. I, it was a knee slapper. No, that, and that's what I do out of frustration. I just. Well, that way you do out of frustration because I just drink heavily out of frustration. Yeah, I try not to do that. Um, I slap my knees. That's what I do. Whatever. That's how, that sounds like a more less damaging way to go about dealing with your frustrations. But yeah, the the Jets media is out there. Um, It's good to see. It's good to see them destroying another young quarterback and making sure he'll never have confidence. I can't blame Geno for not wanting to talk to them. I get it. It's a big deal anytime an NFL player doesn't want to talk to the press. At the same time, you know, we've had... We're in the second week of preseason football. Give the guy a break. Stop killing him. Of course he's frustrated, and of course he doesn't want to talk to you after you write an anniversary story about him getting punched in the face. I get it. You're the New York Post. It's sort of news. It's something that happened, but it's not going to make this guy happy. And they never think, they never, ever, ever, ever think about how the stuff they're writing is going to affect their players. And that's something you have to do as a beat writer. You have to know who your audience is or who, who butters your bread. And the Jets media just completely ignorant of it all the time. Yeah, and then just gets mad when it blows up in their face. They sure do. All right, well, we talked about the Jets way too long because screw that team. NFL preseason is up and kicking. Last night we had a couple games after the the whole Hall of Fame game got canceled. Joe, are you a big NFL preseason fan? Um, I like the NFL preseason as much as I like getting feces thrown in my face. Wow, it's that bad. Yeah, I mean, listen, the guys we know play about like a snap or two, and then that's a bunch of dudes we never heard of. And it's important, I, like, I totally get it's important for the fringe players, but anybody that says that they're watching to see if the fringe player make it, makes it is lying. Yeah. So, I, I don't think people actually watch the third and fourth quarters of preseason games. I think maybe they leave it on in the background. But if you're watching that, you have an issue. Like, you might as well, like, you might as well be doing crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fantasy football nut, so I can't lie. I got really excited last week when it was the, the first stretch of games. I think it was last Thursday when there was, I don't know, pretty much a full night of football. So it was exciting to get on NFL.com and look at stats and see guys are back. But at the same time, you're right. It, it doesn't matter. Starters are essentially, at this point especially, playing, you know, a couple of sets. They're not really in there very long. Um, they're in for a couple drives, and then they're out. So it's it's really not exciting, and it's, it's almost cringeworthy because you're just watching and praying that nobody gets hurt. And that's kind of like the worst way to watch a sport or watch anything. And I don't know... I know guys need to get their reps in, and again, as you mentioned, it's important to see what what players who aren't, you know, your main players are capable of offering for your team or for other teams. It's similar to to summer league basketball in a way that you just, you get to see what players are capable of doing who you wouldn't get to see normally. 
So it, it's it's pretty cool. Um, but I kind of hate preseason football. It's not really fun to watch. Would you? At all. Would you? I turned down tickets to go to a preseason football game last week because it's not worth the schlep to watch. The what? Schlep. I'm sorry. I use a Yiddish word. It's not worth the commute to go to. No, Mexico. that other word's far better. That other word. It just. It just. Well, I. I. I don't know. I never heard of it before. So I was. I'm kind of guarding. I don't want to mispronounce it by saying. No, trying to say it. Schlep. Yeah, it's a schlep. I'm gonna use it like immediately. I'm gonna go downstairs and tell my kids we have to go on a schlep. Is that Do it. commute. Yeah, sure. Oh, because I had to take them to my in-laws. So I'm like, hey, Javon, Antoinette, time to schlep. Yep, we got to schlep over there. Is that how, is that properly used, schlep yeah. over there? Yeah, what question were you going to ask me? Because I don't want to talk about Yiddish terms. <laughs> I don't have any other questions. You were going to ask me Oh, something. about preseason football? Yeah. Uh, but I, don't I, don't don't re- I don't remember. Preseason football is dumb. I think we all agree. Not all, me and you. I don't know about our listeners. Um... Our listeners might be the kind of sins that come get pointed to their head and say, whatever, bro. Dude, you're all about the blanket statements today. I just said, I, I don't know. They might be the whatever, bro, guys. They might be after you. All right. Or they might be the PC Bromani's. I don't know, man. I don't know these dangers. Well, that, that's a KKK clap, play Travis thing right there. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst. All right. And the best getting... is, there's nothing more, like, he goes on those PC rants, and there's nothing more um, easy to predict than him going PC, bro. Whenever yeah. he doesn't agree with something, yeah, I don't. I really don't follow him, and I try to keep him off my timeline. Um, I know some people really hate follow people. I just can't do it. Uh, but when he popped up yesterday, I was like, I am shocked that Clay Travis is the <laughs> one defending Ryan Lochte. Completely shocked. Anyway, let's do absurd questions. All right, hit the music. Yeah, that sounds dumb. <laughs> Executive <laughs> producer, editor, man. Yeah, we're not real. It is time for the absurd questions portion of the podcast. Absurd! Alright, let me go first, because mine's not very good. Okay, fine. Alright. Now, for the rest of your life, you can either... I'm stealing this off somebody else, by the way. I don't remember who, so credit to whoever this is. Shout out. Shout out. It might be the Levitard show. Um, If you can eat only soup for the rest of your life, or have cheese buff fingers for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Cheese puff fingers? Yeah, like you always have like the crumbs on your fingers. Wait, so could I eat other food with the cheese puff fingers? Yes, or but you gotta remember like that. A... Yes, you could, but you gotta remember the cheese puff stuff is gonna get all over that other stuff as well. Oh man, yeah, but I could use a knife and a fork. Right, but so then, then your knife and your fork. But you can't wear gloves and stuff like that, obviously, like because that make it too easy. So you have cheese. What do you do when you go to smooch your wife, your girl, your fiance? I mean. She's either going to leave me or accept that I have cheese puff fingers all the time. I'm going the cheese puff finger route. I could wear gloves. Oh, did you say I can't wear gloves? No, no, because that makes it too easy. Because then you're like, I just wear gloves. Yeah, but gloves are hot. That's kind of one of those things like it's unnecessary and you're making yourself uncomfortable just to deal with this. I don't even know what to call it, deformity. Um, I can't eat soup for the rest of I mean, is this, uh, is this like an any soup or is this like a chicken and rice soup? I don't know, because the thing is, like, you can almost, like, anything soup now. You just right. gotta, you boil some water, and then you just, like, puree steak and good soup. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't even need to puree it. Like, I'll put chunks of good steak inside of, like... Just drop a giant pizza soup. in there. Just yeah. soup. Yeah, it's pizza soup night. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I My first inclination was cheese puff fingers and just find a loophole around it. <laughs> Cheese puff fingers suck, though. I hate it. Like, it's it's a deterrent. I can't lie to you. When I eat cheese doodles, I eat it out of the bag. Like, I pour the bag into my mouth. I will not use my fingers. Yeah, that's how I am. I, I would definitely go the soup route, even if that means, like, I can't have cheese or 
soup pizza. So crunchy or puffy cheese doodles then? Oh, puffy. I like puffy better. Really? So when I was a kid, it was definitely all about crunchy. But as I get older, I, I recognize the the elite level of the puffy. So I think I'm, I'm puffy as well. Nice. Wait, puffy, so your, like, your answer is soup. Yeah, yeah, soup. Okay. What if, what if you went next level with this and you put your cheese puffs in the soup? Oh, my goodness. Then you couldn't get cheese puff fingers. Right. Wow, kill two birds, one stone. You should try that later. <laughs> All right, here's my question for you. The loud, angry, small man, Conor McGregor, showed up extremely late for his pre-fight press conference the other night. Then he got into it with his opponent, Nate Diaz. Is it Nate or Nick Diaz that he's fighting? Uh, I don't know. Nate Diaz. No, it's, it's, Nate. it's, Nate. it's, Nate, Diaz. it's Nate Diaz. He's fighting Nate Diaz. Anyway, so he got into it with Nate Diaz, who's fighting, blah, blah, blah. Conor McGregor, spectacle. The guy always makes spectacle of himself. Getting pretty tired of his shtick, but we'll save that for another day. If you could, I feel like I might have asked you this question already, so I apologize if I did. If you could fight somebody and you would definitely win, no matter what, who would it be and why? Have I asked you that before? No. I feel like I might have before we were on iTunes. I mean, this is almost like asking somebody who you could kill and get away with. Yeah. Similar. But if it's only beat somebody up, well, here's the thing. Like, do I want to do it for monetary value? Because then it could be somebody like in the UFC or boxing and I can make a ton of money. No, this is like a street fight. This is not a paid fight. (sighs) Like, but your reputation, they'll be like, oh, my God, that guy, that guy beat the crap out of whoever it is. Like, Joe Nardone beat up. You know, Brock Lesnar, Jer- Jerry McNamara. Sure, Brock Lesnar works too. Yeah, but I'd probably beat up Brock Lesnar. That's what I was thinking too, because I wanted to be a big tough guy. I actually was saying uh, Floyd Mayweather, because he's kind of a jerk, and it'd be pretty cool. Like he's got pretty quick hands. Like I would love to be in a fight with him and just be like, "Wow, I just knocked out Floyd Mayweather." Yeah, the thing with, with the Floyd Mayweather, like, I'm pretty sure I'm a lot bigger than him, so it'd be a lot more impressive for me to beat up like Brock Lesnar, who outweighs me by like 150 pounds or whatever. And then B beat up Floyd Webmother, who's probably like, I probably outweigh him by 70 pounds. So you, man, this is going to be Absurd Questions 2.0. And this is a conversation that I had a really long time ago, and it's probably the most heated I've ever been on Facebook. Is it about the birds and the bees? It's not about the birds and the bees. We said a long time ago, and you were heated. God, you don't let me win. (laughs) You don't make this easy for me. Somebody asked a question on Facebook.com a while ago. Who would win the street fight, LeBron James or Floyd Mayweather? So you going the weight route just now by saying it would be more impressive to beat up Brock Lesnar than Floyd Mayweather because you have 75 pounds on Floyd Mayweather makes me think you think you have a chance fighting Floyd Mayweather. No, not at all. I'm just saying perception-wise. And if I beat up Brock Lesnar, it's going to be a lot cooler than if I beat up Floyd Mayweather. Just because of the sheer size difference. But Floyd um, Mayweather's like a real bad guy. Like, there's that aspect to, of it, too. It's not just like an ego thing. It's like a... It's an ego thing in two ways. It's like, a, yeah, I beat up a jerk, and I beat up a jerk who's like the most amazing fighter in his sport. Yeah, no, I totally get it. But I think if my friends saw me beat up Brock Lesnar, they'd be far more impressed if I beat up Floyd Mayweather. Because they feel like if I beat up Floyd, an excuse could be made. Because he's smaller, maybe... Like, whatever. He's older... I think if I beat up Lesnar, there's no excuses that could be made. Like, Lesnar can't be like, I was just off my game. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no excuse that could be made. Like, I beat up the Beast Incarnate. You know what I mean? I beat up the guy that beat up The Undertaker at WrestleMania. I'd be a legend. Me and Marty Jannetty to the WWE Hall of Fame right now. I think that's how we have to end our show. I was going to ask you another question, but once the Jannetty start flying out, I think it's it's time to go. 
All right. Well, this was a fun Friday. And again, if you missed it earlier, if you skipped over our introduction, I don't know how you'd miss it. It's not like you could turn our, our podcast on later in the show. But <sighs> we're going to be doing this every Friday now, every, every Friday. Monday and Friday. So we got our second show. And we really want to thank our listeners. We were joking earlier when we said all those mean things. We couldn't have done this without you. We wouldn't be here without you. So thank you guys for listening. And we're so glad we got a second show. And uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. Jared. He's Jared. I'm Jared. <laughs> Goodbye. No. Bye, guys. I'm Jared. I'm Jared. You can follow me on Twitter at jmintshoops. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. Joe, tell the good people where they can follow you on Twitter and tell the good people what website we write for. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Joseph Nerdom. We write for a website called Today's Fast Break. And uh, I also write for Today's You. And that's it. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. He's Jared. <laughs> I'm Jared. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you Monday. Bye. All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hotcakes. Bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking. No one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers, not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow, no tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world. Mad world.